Ooh, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the catch up. What's going on, y'all? We are joined this week by my most favorite and least favorite food beast, <laughs> Costa Spiru. He uh, is our resident food science culture expert. And uh, I threw culture in at the end because food science has just been spilling into food culture now. Yeah, that's pretty true. You see a lot of science trending into culture. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Makes it cool. Makes it cool. Yeah, I guess that's why I'm here at Food Beast, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's also why you hate me, because I get very nerdy sometimes. You know too much, <laughs> and it bums me out sometimes. That's that's how I feel. Um, so thank you guys for tuning into the catch-up. We've been getting some um, above-average feedback about the show, so that makes me pretty mm-hmm. happy. People actually listen. Yeah, I heard you got some pretty dope feedback at Meat Street about it. Yeah, so at our food festival, I had... Uh, even multiple groups of people actually came up and thought that I um, would eat dog. So uh, if you guys <laughs> aren't familiar, the catch up is our weekly uh, news recap show where we talk about the craziest things that happened in the food world. And a couple weeks ago, we talked about um, a new uh, ban on eating dogs, I believe, in Taiwan. Yeah. And uh, I thought, you know what? It's OK to eat dog. That's f- I mean, here's the thing. I don't think it's personally okay. I don't believe that you should be eating dog, but I don't have an argument that you should not as opposed to eating cow or pig. So that's, that was my long story short, people listen to the podcast. So that was uh, cool. So we really appreciate you guys and, um, yeah, feel free thank to, y'all. yeah, feel free to leave comments, tweet at us. Um, also leave a review on the iTunes store and tell us uh, how we could keep getting better and what you guys want to hear more of on the podcast. Um, Today, I'm really excited about today, though. Today's pretty dope. We got some fun stuff. There's some good stuff, and there's some bad stuff again. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> the, running, the running theme of, of the Food Beast catch-up. That's kind of how it goes. I mean, starting off with, I don't know if this one's good or bad. When talk you, to me. When you're talking about the unicorn frappuccino. I mean, oh, we, we're going to talk about Starbucks again. I know, man. They're just like everywhere the past few weeks. So that's the good thing, I guess. Whatever Starbucks is doing. So we're going to talk about the Starbucks unicorn frappuccino again. Yeah, we're going into that. We're going into some stuff that came based off of it and how Starbucks basically has been getting like super successful with it. Okay. Okay. So I released, we released a video on uh, the Food Beast Facebook page where we laid in to Starbucks for how dumb this drink is and sounded. And then the uh, essential... Uh, backlash that Starbucks and the internet was getting for uh, baristas not wanting to make this drink. Yeah. I mean, actually, I have a barista friend. Uh, shout out to Amber. Okay. Uh, she actually was like... Hey, Amber. <laughs> if you're listening right now. Well, she actually had no issues with um, making the unicorn frappuccino. So this is just something that was amongst some baristas, I mm. guess. The baristas of Reddit, if you will. Got uh, it. We can go into more on those guys later. They're probably on fucking Reddit during work, and that's why they're so pissed when someone comes in to order a drink, and they're like, oh, I can't continually hate and shit on Reddit right yeah. now because you're bugging me with this drink that is yeah. really well, hard to make. The big issue with it for a lot of these people, I think, wasn't how hard it was to make because literally, like, I think when Pete and Izzy went and shot the video that we put on Facebook of the unicorn frappuccino being made, mm-hmm. it took a minute, a minute to a minute and it's a half. It's probably just, I, so I heard from some barista friends of mine that they just don't like making frappuccinos in general. Like a frappuccino mm-hmm. is not as easy to make, or it's just more steps than pouring a hot coffee or making a latte. It's just a, a few more steps and in a day where you kind of build your, um, 
you build your consciousness and you build how you're going to run your day around how potentially simple it can be. Like, look, man, I'm going to clock in, clock out. Like, I'm going to get comfortable and I'm going to get into a zone. Everyone's had that job where you just like try to make the best of your day, which is kind of weird to me to hear that a lot of them are like, oh, I don't like want to make this drink. Like, man, throw some spontaneity into the day. Yeah. Like, I feel like with a lot of them too, they must have getting frustrated because they had like 20 customers in line and 80 to 90% of them probably wanted this unicorn frappuccino. So there's no wonder that some of the people who had to deal with that you know, and it was just getting way to be, to be way too much. You had the one barista who melted down. Yeah, who cares, (laughs) man? Who cares? It's not like your, your parents, it's not like you own stock in Starbucks. Who cares if it takes you, uh, 10 more minutes to make the drink and there's a line out the door. You just, you just run with it. I guess like people that come to Starbucks, I guess it's like a customer thing too, where customers associate with like, I want in and I want out of Starbucks. And if I don't get in and out five minutes or less, I'm going to shit on whoever's making my drink and it's your fault. Mm-hmm. And then I guess that's where the cyclical cycle comes where they're like, it's not our fault. Like we can make these unicorn fraps and it takes, oh my God, it takes six minutes now. And now the line's back up. So I get it. They're probably getting shat on by customers. Yeah. They're probably getting some like feedback because customers are crazy nowadays. They want ultra convenience wherever they go. That's why you got mobile order everywhere. That's mm-hmm. why you got mobile delivery or meal delivery everywhere now. It's like, if I don't have this instant gratification kind of thing, yeah. to me, it's not worth it and I'm going to let people know about it. And that's kind of the price you pay for living in the high-tech world. So here's here's where I uh, my mind changes a bit on just because I think just because I think the drink is stupid and I think it tastes like shit, I don't think it was a bad move for Starbucks. I'm with you on that. I, I think, think it was a it, brilliant move. Yeah, it tasted like garbage, but mm-hmm. Starbucks has been super successful since then, actually, between the pink drink going on the menu, mm-hmm. which happened a couple weeks ago, mm-hmm. and today, following the unicorn frappuccino, Starbucks stock price has gone up by like six to seven percent. So it was fifty around fifty-seven bucks, right, on the thirteenth. That's huge. Yeah, and huge. today, um, this morning, it's around sixty-one and a half. I think this signals. I don't even know if I'm allowed to say signals because I'm not a ah, fuck. Yeah. I don't have any Starbucks stock. I think this signals, um, not a short term play for Starbucks. I think a lot of people can consider the unicorn Frappuccino, a flash in the pan style, um, drink. But in reality, it's, I believe it's an embrace of, of their full on customization. It shows their prowess in social media listening where they're able to roll out a relevant item system-wide, meaning all their stores, um, that's essentially pretty complicated. And without, and it's all like earned media, meaning they didn't, they didn't do a lot of traditional media buying against this. So like they're, they're not running TV campaigns against this. No, literally the only thing is they sent out press releases. And yeah. That's how everybody picked it up and found out about it. Yeah. And that's, that's brilliant. Like they, they knew they, that's the social media listening part that they really have down where they notice people customizing their drinks and they're like, let's customize it for them. I think the other smart thing they did, I know some people are going to be, you know, not so happy with this, but the other smart thing they did is they only had it up for a few days. This drink was only on the menu from the 19th to the 23rd. They treated it like a sneaker drop 
Starbucks is is woke to the sneaker community, to the hype beast community, the food beast community, where they're like, let's put it on for five days. We know it's going to sell out because it's not like they had the inventory to really do a system wide release on it. Yeah, so many baristas on the internet were talking about how their place ran out. Some places within like forty eight hours of this thing going up, and not everyone was able to get reshipments of the ingredients that Starbucks just didn't have to supply. I believe it. And I don't think they wanted to reship it. I think they probably were aware of how hard it would be to make. Um, and, but, but in reality, I think Starbucks really knew what they were doing here. They mm-hmm. really knew what they were doing. And it's, it's, it's incredible. It's incredible what they did. Yeah. And I think the other thing they were playing on too is, they were anticipating some, you know, Starbucks baristas. Shout out to all y'all because you are some of the most creative people I have ever seen on the internet mm-hmm. coming up with some crazy things. So this one guy on Reddit took some of the extra ingredients they had, like some of the powders and stuff from the unicorn frappuccino. Yeah. And they made a drink. They didn't name it. They gave it no name. They put it up on Reddit in the Starbucks barista subreddit. Uh-huh. And one of our writers, Izzy, found this, uh-huh. and he started calling it the Unicorn Lemonade and so wrote Izzy, a post about it. Izzy coined it. Our food beast writer, Izzy, coined it the Unicorn Lemonade. That he did. Because I saw that trending again. So, like, people – this is how – okay, so this is part brilliance on Starbucks's part is they perpetuated this again. So they made it – they're going to be in our social media discourse for the immediate future. Mm-hmm. I mean – they just launched the unicorn frappuccino, took it off the menu, and within days, they have another news cycle on a unicorn lemonade. So the unicorn lemonade was actually made in the same time period as the frappuccino. Yeah, what's in a unicorn lemonade? So the unicorn lemonade, um, let's take a look at it really fast. I know the it, it, base of it is uses the blue powder, I believe. So they, they created it as a result of not having the, the particular location that was serving a unicorn frap ran out of a particular ingredient. I think and what then happened is it. looking at back at what this uh, Reddit user said, it looked like they ran out of the cream, the mango cream base mm, good to for make them. the actual frappuccino part. So they had looked like they had leftover pink powder and they had leftover blue powder. Right. Let's see exactly. So Izzy said they did a two-toned lemonade. This is what it looks like. So you've got two different ones. Mm-hmm. This one, you've got the blue powder on the bottom. Right. And then on top of that, you've got the pink. I like how these look. They're, they're two-toned. Um, mm-hmm. They probably taste better than the unicorn frappuccino. I can get down on a lemonade. Mm-hmm. But, man, kudos, kudos to Starbucks. I mean, this is, this is a long-term play. And I think they they proved it. Um, so I'm curious what they're gonna put on the menu um, next, and if they're gonna treat it like monthly monthly drops of new items and take it less serious. Because usually with a product release at, at a chain as large as Starbucks, um, it's way more methodical. Where mm-hmm. they they have um, millions in ad buys behind every product. There's a rollout period. There's a testing period. This did not go in a test. They just put it on the menu for five days nationwide and just let people take pictures of it. Again, they didn't go through the test, so they didn't realize how sweet it was and how disgusting it was. And, and you know, I think they were going for that too. Like, think they just didn't care how it tasted because they knew people were going to buy it anyway. Sure. And if they could say, oh, look, the color changes and the flavor changes and yeah. all that, people are going to be even more excited by it because 
it's this whole playing with your food kind of concept, you know? Right. So it's playing with your food. Yep. It's Instagrammable mm-hmm. and it's unicorn. So yep. you've got three of the top food trends on social media right now in one beverage. So everyone's just going to be like, oh my gosh, let's go get this. And it's kind of a, I mean, so Starbucks admitted to doing it for the gram. They admitted for doing it for the gram, which is crazy. Yeah. So some data on that in just one week, this got over 180,000 hits. Gee. So hits, I believe that means you're talking about people hash, either hashtag the unicorn mm-hmm. frappuccino. So, I mean, it, it got obviously way more millions of, of media impressions against that. Exactly. But, but, but 180,000 people have hashtagged on Instagram the unicorn frappuccino. Yeah. And that's not counting like unicorn drink and all these other things. Everyone who that, fucked up the hashtag. Yeah. yeah. And that's from some business analyst data. And these guys also think that this isn't the first time you're going to see the last time you're going to see something like this happen with Starbucks. So I believe it. I hope they, I hope they keep doing it. I mean, I think this, it keeps giving us news um, and it keeps, it keeps things fresh for people. So Mm -hmm. um, I'm already bored of Starbucks though. (laughs) Oh, we can go into the, we we can go into the baristas a little bit. This should be, what about the baristas? What about the baristas? Um, so a, the one of the original redditors who saw this unicorn lemonade quote unquote mm-hmm. and asked for it not to be taken on social media and stuff they created a a little reddit conversation in which they take izzy to town they take but izzy to town they take izzy to town specifically because they posted our article on the subreddit okay under this title as a mod it's frustrating as fuck that we can't stop simple fun from escalating into news articles Get the fuck out of here, Reddit. If you don't want people to pick up your shit, create a Facebook group that's private and get the fuck out of here. Seriously. <laughs> I hate to go after Reddit, and I love Reddit, and I have my own sub-communities there, but I don't post stuff on there thinking it's going to be private in a lockbox. Like, that's some some stupid, stupid thoughts. And and I think that's just, like, the, the vanity Reddit mentality where, yeah. like, I'm going to hate on the outside world because we're so cool here, but... It is what it is, man. This is the 21st century. This is how we get news, and this is fun for us. Like, we're a fun media company, and yeah, we get news from Reddit. Yeah. Stop posting it there. If you Put it in a private group, and that leads us to a good point. Weren't you guys discussing yesterday that there is now another group on Reddit for Starbucks baristas where you have to get a verification yeah. by putting up a picture of your green uh, apron alongside your name tag and then a date that timestamps you like Along today with or whatever your it is. Reddit username. This is actually created within this thread. So they were having conversations uh-huh. and people were like, we want this subreddit of Starbucks baristas to go private because they don't want people to see these drinks that they make, put them up on social media and then people are coming in asking if they can make these drinks. So there's a, at least a few baristas on Reddit who are pissed basically at us and other sites who hype up these creations that they make just for the hell of it. And then we go and hype it up and everyone wants to get it for their Instagram. I don't get the mentality. I don't understand how you can, on one hand, be very proud of what you're creating and want to share it and then run a business or be a part of a business. You're not, they're not running any business. They're, they're a part, they're an integral part. I'll give them that. They're an integral part of serving people coffee and drinks every day. But if you're going to have an elitist mentality to show off a drink and then not make it, even though it's part of your ethos as a company to be able to make drinks to order, you're in the wrong business. Like you're just, you're in the wrong 
business. And here's the other thing. Starbucks allows their baristas to, you know, customize ingredients and people can go in and make custom drinks. And sure, some of them sound disgusting because you're pumping in 12 different shots of syrup and, you know, two different kinds of dairy and whatever the hell else you want to put into your drink. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, Starbucks allows that because people want to have their drinks certain ways and customize it. Yeah. And sometimes baristas come up with their own custom combos as well. And yeah. those should be something that is celebrated, not hidden away in a dark treasure chest of the internet. No, I hear you. Cause it's, 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 I know we, we generalize this really bad and we generalize baristas pretty badly. Um, I mean the baristas that I know, they're usually pretty stoked to create drinks for the folks that come in. And when they do it, I think what their fear is, is that they're being asked to create a drink and it's going to be criticized because it's not exactly what they saw, either on social media or how a friend recommended it. Mm -hmm. That Uh, happened with Daily Food Feed and the Matcha Pink drink a while back. Where no one could create the drink, mainly Mm -hmm. because he worked in depth. Daily Food Feed, this this, uh, food Instagrammer, a friend of ours, um, he was the one doing a lot of the, oh, here's what a pink drink looks like before a pink drink was a thing. He coined it the pink drink. Um, but in reality, what he did was he was with a barista that he knew and they created this drink and they were very methodical with it. Like he, it's not like they were doing it on the line. It was like, all right, put, put this, put this coconut milk in first, then put this strawberry like Fritzer thing in there and then put more coconut. And then this is how we get the consistency that he likes. So that is not replicatable across the board. Um, and I, but I think that's where Starbucks saw like, oh shit, people like that color. Let's, 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 let's bring that to the, the whole system, to the whole Starbucks system. But fuck, I forgot where I was going with this. But either way, I think like Starbucks baristas need to understand the position that they're in. Mm-hmm. Where uh, if, you, if you compare Starbucks and, for example, In-N-Out. So In-N-Out. They're big on customization, but they have a framework for it where yeah. they're not allowed to essentially like they can't put fries on a burger. Mm-hmm. They can't do that. It, it messes up their line. They know that's where they have to draw the line for their own employees. Um, they don't. Uh, and so as a result, um, you have less confusion at in and out You have less employee sentiment against like wanting to do shit. Again, we do get a lot of feedback that when people perpetuate images of in and out online, that like have fries in the burger, we, we always get in and out employees who are very sour about that. They're like, don't do that because customers are going to come in and ask to put fries in a burger and you're fucking up our program. And literally to anyone who wants in and out to do fries in their burger, literally just order burgers, order fries and jam burgers, yes. I mean, fries in the burger. Yes. It's that simple. It's not rocket science. Yeah. Don't yell at the employees for not doing it. Everyone that put fries in their burger, they put them in themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyways, yeah, I believe, um, I think Starbucks baristas that are freaking out again, I don't want to generalize the ones that are freaking out. You need to chill. You need to chill. Like, I don't think you're going to get fired. I understand how hard it is to, I, customers are dumb. We are dumb as, as customers and people, and you're going to be dealing with people that ask for a latte and then say there's too much milk in it. And just you know, mm-hmm. it's customer gonna, side service. They're like, gonna see cool stuff online that you guys or other baristas make, and you be know, proud of it. Yeah, be proud that you guys are coming up with this thing that's bringing more people in. Yeah, and you know, giving Starbucks all of this business. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. what if your Starbucks had no people coming in the door and then it shut down? Like, how, is that is that a good scenario for everybody? I don't think so. No. So, um, 
That's Starbucks. I think we beat that to absolute death. <laughs> that's a good way to, yeah, that's a good way to wrap up Starbucks. How I do think. we segue into something else? What are, what, well, what? I think I can help you feel a little better about the world. Okay. Let's feel good about the world. I love so, that. So, you know Heineken, right? Yeah, I, I actually do know Heineken. Yeah, Heineken's a good beer. Um, and it's just good. Yeah, they're going. <laughs> <laughs> you sounded very medium about that. It's not hey, a bad beer. It's I'm not down, your favorite. I'm down with Heineken. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But they have been coming up with a bunch of different commercials and stuff like that recently. And their latest commercial, I love this title from Fast Company on how they describe it. So I'm just going to go with this as how to introduce it. Okay. Their latest commercial is the antidote to Pepsi's Kendall Jenner ad. It's the antidote to that ad. That ad, the Kendall Jenner ad, was complete trash. And right. We trashed it to bits. Yeah, everyone didn't like that ad. Um, mm-hmm. So I've seen this Heineken ad, so let's walk people through it. So basically... Basically, it's a massive social experiment ad in which two people who have never met each other before in their lives mm-hmm. are pre-recorded before they walk into this experimental area mm-hmm. on their views on a particular subject that's a very touchy, very political, something that people don't want to get into because it creates all of this, you know, anger and all of this conflict and stuff. So some of the issues they talked about. So politics, sexuality. Sexuality. Transgender was uh-huh. one. Feminism. Uh-huh. Climate change. Okay. Just to name some of the big ones that were discussed. So how it happens in this commercial is they find two people that are polar opposites on these topics. Yeah. So like one who's very pro uh you're either a man or a woman and then the uh, uh then there's a transgender and, polar opposite um, in the discussion and yeah, they both and talk to a camera before they meet mm-hmm. and they explain their thoughts and beliefs yes and it's all recorded uh-huh. um and then the two people walk into the room from opposite ends mm-hmm. again they've never met each other they don't know anything about each other right and they go through icebreakers the first thing they do is they set up some stools and things like that to talk to each other they're essentially building a bar yeah they're building a bar and getting to know each other and Throughout then they the process of building this bar Correct. and then once they're done doing that they go over and grab a couple heinekens because you know this is a heineken commercial of course and then they're asked to watch a film now, I, when I heard that, I thought it was going to be just some overarching general film about, you know, the topic. Walk them through this, though. So, like, okay, so they, they built the tables, uh, yeah. they, they built the chairs, yeah. and then they uh, build this bar. And it, it sounds like a long commercial. It's a, it's a bit long, but it's, uh, it happens pretty fast. Yeah. Uh, and then they open this globe. There's a globe there that's like a set piece. It's decor. They open the globe, and there's an ice chest within it with Heineken. They grab yeah. that, and they're instructed through this like o- ominous intercom. Uh, intercom, thing, yeah. um, and they're like, "Go put these two beers on the bar." And they're like, "There's marked off areas, taped off where they put the beers." And then they they walk away from each other, and then they watch this video of themselves about what looks like an hour prior where they had just talked to camera about their stringent beliefs. And it's both people watching both of themselves right. out there. So now they know each other's views on this particular on this particular position. After they had just talked to each other for 45 minutes, it looks like. At least constructing this bar and getting to know each other a little yeah. bit and stuff. So they're familiar and fun with each other. And, and then, then they... And then this drops. And then like the hammer drops right there. And then the intercom presents them with this crazy challenge. You can either sit there at the bar 
have your beers and talk this issue out with each other. Uh-huh. Or you can walk away and choose not to have this conversation. Yeah. So they left it entirely up to the people in this experiment to, hey, do you want to, you know, resolve issues over a beer uh-huh. or just walk away? Yeah, man. So watching this thing, and so I don't want to spoil the commercial if you guys haven't seen it, but I mean, the spo- there, there is not much of a spoiler. They all end up sitting down and having a discussion, which mm-hmm. is cute. And it's, that's the branded part about it is they actually go sit down. There's a fun moment where um, I believe in the uh, transgender discussion yeah. one where the uh, staunch kind of stereotypical uh, older white male who believes men should be men and females should be females that like that's how that's how it is um once it's revealed that the person he was talking to uh has a family but is also transgender Mm -hmm. uh he walks away from her as soon as he's given the option to walk away or sit and have a discussion he walks off screen and then like you know your heart drops for like five seconds you're like oh you feel for everything you're like oh humanity all this and then and then he comes back back and he's like i'm just kidding he's like of course i'm kidding like let's 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 grab this beer and for a moment i was hoping he walked all the way off here's why in a branded commercial, you know they're coming back. I thought it would have been cool. Not cool in a... I think it would have been cool in terms of an advertisement, but, you know, sad in terms of humanity of him walking off. But if he had walked off, how uh, brutally thought-provoking and emotional would that have been? Mm-hmm. Um, My question is, you know, if we performed this test, this was only done five times. Yeah. Say that we... This isn't a up. test. Let's be real. Yeah, this is, this is like, a commercial. This is a cool... Say we make this test real, blew it up, did this with a hundred different scenarios. I know there's not a hundred, maybe there's a hundred different polarizing political issues out there. Let's say we did this with a hundred different issues. Okay. How many people would you say walk away out of a hundred? Real people? Real people. Like real people from all around the country? All around the world. I, I would say I'd be, it'd be like 50-50. I would say 50, I think 50 people would walk away. You think half of the people in this would walk away? I would hope that fewer would walk away after you spent 45 minutes with someone or I don't know how long they like camera magic. It could have been an hour. It could have been five minutes. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know. There there are some closed minded folks out there. I mean, um, but I believe some of those folks may be open to a discussion. And I think that's what's cool. I think you bring up a cool point that this is why this commercial works and Pepsi's didn't. Yeah. That, I think that's an important discussion to have because right now the, the, the commercial just launched. So it didn't have time yet for people to feel some type of way about it. Exactly. Um, I guess we get to be those people that feel some type of way about it. Mm-hmm. And, and why? Okay, so I feel like we were on the same page that this commercial is above average. I'd say this commercial is way above average. I think this is like, you know, why is it so good? Why, why is, why are we giving this one the slide? Why are we giving this one a pat on the back? And then the Pepsi one, we took it out behind the barn and shot in the face. I'd say the reason, big reason why is that Heineken is not looking to take a stance on any particular issue Mm -hmm. with this. They don't part, they don't broadcast the right is bad and the left is good. Mm-hmm. They don't broadcast the opposite way either. They don't broadcast anything as good or bad. Uh-huh. And they don't take one side on one stance of a particular issue. Their overarching message is, yeah, you may know someone or you may encounter someone who doesn't agree with you, but 
if you guys sat down, got to know each other, and had a beer, I'm sure you guys could find a lot more commonality that could let you see through that and interact with each other. Because on the internet right now, and in real life even right now, there are so many instances of people, you know, deleting their friends and sure. ignoring and not talking to people because of staunch differences in political beliefs. And it's because you can't have a beer over Facebook. That's the hard part. Mm-hmm. I think that's what's like, yeah, you, you delete, you block. I know I've blocked friends on Facebook, which, you know, may not be the best thing, but um, in terms of perpetuating this like vacuum of thoughts and feelings and, and, and the political spectrum and the political climate that we're in. Uh, so I think that's what's really cool about this commercial is maybe instead of having blocked those friends of mine, I could have just like invited them out to a beer and had a discussion. But here's the thing is I don't like want to do that. <laughs> so like and I'll have a discussion. Yeah. I'll have a discussion with someone I disagree with. I'm, I hope I am an open enough person to do that and I will do that. The thing is, is like I don't want I don't feel bad about blocking people on Facebook because you know, time is valuable and I already spend too much time on the damn platform and to be bombarded with these thoughts is like, well, cool. now am I going to like, I now have like 2000 friends on Facebook. That's not a sign of any of my popularity. It's a sign of like, I have a lot of people that I don't know and don't know me. Uh, so I'm bombarded with these thoughts that I just like don't care about and I want to, and I want to do that, but it's unrealistic to be able to sit down with that many people exactly. <laughs> and continue to have discussion. <laughs> but it's so, but I, but I, the commercial brings up a good pot, uh, a good thought and that when there is an opportunity to discuss it and an opportunity to potentially see someone else's viewpoint, take the opportunity, mm-hmm. you, I guess, have a beer and yeah. do it. And it. Like that's like the overall message is openness mm-hmm. is be open. You know, you don't have to be open and you don't have to accept or agree mm-hmm. with the views of somebody else. Right. But at the very least, you can be accepting and open and supportive of that person. So this one, this commercial, which is called... It's called... Um, it's called Worlds Apart. Worlds Apart. Um, so this commercial, the Sineken commercial, is about talking and discourse and discussion. Mm-hmm. The Pepsi one was about protest and mm-hmm. cops are right and... It, uh, it basically, white people are better than black people. Well, it also gave this message of, it tried to give this message, a uh, similar message to what Heineken had, but it didn't do it in the right way. That's something we talked about a few weeks ago is how Pepsi messed up is they tried to say, oh, you know, protests are this, you know, dra- dramatized thing. They're great. But we should also look at the other side of the cops who are just, you know, these people who stand there and watch over you and, you know, we give them a Pepsi and everything will be all right. And I think that's definitely not the case when you see what's been going on with police brutality and all these other issues. Out Yo, of but events. Heineken is ballsy. Like, just because this commercial, just because we feel good about this commercial right now, they're ba- like after the complete meltdown of that Pepsi commercial, and Pepsi's gonna be all right. Like, they're gonna be like, people are gonna forget. About, like, they won't forget about this commercial, but I don't think it's gonna drastically affect sales for them in the immediate and again i, I probably well, should have looked up Pepsi's that data biggest saving grace is five days after the pepsi commercial came out and everyone was hating them united comes out with a thing which everyone hates and then five days after that it's burger king's turn to come up with a commercial that was just you know 
bad and got flashback and hit back and all that. And then after that, the unicorn frappuccino comes out and now we're here. So here's the thing is, is if if Coke had done that commercial, which Coke wouldn't have done that commercial, if Coke had done the Pepsi commercial, Coke would have taken a bigger hit. Mm -hmm. The reason being is Pepsi didn't have a brand to lose. But people are like, ah, oh, well, Pepsi wasn't like that dope to begin with. Pepsi wasn't that cool. Like, I don't fuck with Pepsi like that. I don't believe in Pepsi as a brand. I didn't see like the people I respect drinking Pepsi all the time. But if Coke had taken that, I think Coke would have taken a bigger hit. Coke, Coke has more of an identity that people can relate to. It ties to a specific group of people. Coke would have taken a bigger hit. I still think Heineken, and I respect them for it, they like really went out on a limb. And they went out right on the after this, yeah. you gotta know, you got, I gotta believe that there were like hundreds of people at Heineken at their, at the agency that presented this were like, all right, how many times do we have to watch this before we release? Cause like, is any of this offensive? And if anything, they were more specific on the issues than Pepsi was. Pepsi was way too just broad. It was all about protesting in general and stuff. Heineken, it was, you know, let's talk about these specific polarizing political issues and let's bring in people from opposite sides. Let's not, you know, categorize them as good or bad because we're not ones to judge. We're just a beer company. Mm -hmm. That's how they should have done it. Pepsi was like, Oh, let's take a side on this because in the name of social good and all this stuff and we're a popular company and people were like us for it. And no, people didn't like you for it because you screwed up big time. Yeah. Whereas Heineken is like, yeah, we're not going to judge people. We're not into that stuff. We just want to sell our beer, but we also want to send this message. And, you know, one of the biggest marketing or one of the biggest things that people do with beer is they share, they have beers and talk about stuff. Yeah. That's what happens at bars all the time. So Heineken was People don't talk over Pepsi. They don't talk over Pepsi. They talk over beer. Right. And Heineken's just being like, yeah, let's promote that image in a positive light while keeping true to what Heineken is. It's a beer that people will drink and talk over. Heineken had a hell of a couple weeks, man, because they like they actually they sponsor Coachella. Mm-hmm. So anything drink-related at Coachella, you get a wristband that has Heineken on it. Like Coachella is like a hell of a thing to co-sign and to be co-signed by Coachella. Mm-hmm. So I think they're doing uh, – Heineken's doing a lot of things right. I don't necessarily buy a ton of Heineken, but in terms of like a public discourse, like – they're right there in the right ways, but I can't help but think how we could have been on this podcast and talking about how Heineken fucked up, <laughs> like we right after. Been. We could have been, but I think in this case, Heineken didn't fuck up. Yeah. They did the good thing in this one, and I think people are going to be, you know, what, I, what I've been seeing already based on reactions, um, the YouTube comments for this commercial, people are already much more accepting and much more positive about what this Heineken ad did. Just to read a couple of the comments on this. Yeah. Great to see when brands tackle issues in exactly the right way. Um, one of the most amazing ads I've ever seen in a big time. When brands connect to society and bring the best out of society, magic happens. Yo, mad hot take though. So just as much as they were, Heineken might have been worried before launching this ad, and maybe they weren't worried at all. Maybe they were that confident. But do you think this was a shot at Pepsi? Like the fact that you released this this close to that meltdown, do you, do you think Heineken was taking some shots? I don't know. Because a big advertising campaign in an experiment like this is definitely going to take a few months. But they didn't have to release it. They didn't have to release it now. I don't know if it was a shot at Pepsi because they're focused on very different areas 
to me. I mean, yeah, they're both politicizing and stuff like that, but everyone's coming out with politicizing commercials in this day and age. I think it wasn't a response to Pepsi. I think it was a response to 2017. Mm. Mm. That's a good point. That's a good point. I mean, they are not in the same industry. I mean, people who they're not. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't think I, I just I just figured I was like, this is this is really unique timing. Um, one is a bit more dull of an ad and one is a bit more sharper mm-hmm. um, in Pepsi. I think and in everyone's trying to come up with ads that bridge this divisiveness. It's not just Heineken. It's not just Pepsi. Everybody's got ads like this or ads coming out about this. Yep. I mean, Coke had the first one, and theirs was probably one of the best. What's the one you're talking about? What it one? was America the Beautiful, in which there's that girl, or there's a bunch of people actually, singing the words to America the Beautiful in multiple different languages and showing multiple different uh, settings and stuff where people are drinking Coke. And ah. so it's like that message of, hey, we all may be so divisive, but we're incredibly diverse, and you know our inclusivity can be shown through the fact that we all like Coke. Got it. Got it. Is that our news for the week? Do we have our... So Heineken, good commercial. Starbucks actually came out of the unicorn frappuccino on top. Mm-hmm. I think Starbucks did good this week. Heineken did good this week, I think. You know, it was a pretty feel-good week, something that we needed yeah. in light of all the negative backlash and all the negative news that we've been having Yeah. otherwise. So hats off to Starbucks, hats off to Heineken. Kudos. Kudos, Starbucks. Kudos, uh, Heineken. Thank you guys for listening. This has been The Catch-Up. Uh, thank you, Costa, for, for dropping the knowledge. Yeah, no problem, man. And um, guys, make sure to subscribe and, and leave comments and tweet us at Food Beast. Um, and then until next week, we'll have a great, really bad ending next week as well on the podcast. Sounds like a good plan to me. Yeah? Yeah. Thanks, Michael. You're running the show next week by yourself. That's what's up. That's nerve-wracking, huh? Braden's going to be doing a cross-country trip? Yeah. Oh, shit. You think you could be on the pod? You want to be on the podcast next week and record? Dangerous. Just do everything all at once, Mike? Dangerous. That could be it. That could be it. Anyways. <laughs> Anyways, guys, here's the catch-up uh, squirting sound. <laughs>